You're listening to another episode of the Just Go Bike Podcast. That's AKA Murph. And that's AP. And this is the podcast where we talk about cycling just for the fun of it. With tales from all over the nation, come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Hi, Murph. How was South Dakota? Hey, South Dakota was amazing. I highly recommend to everybody to ride their bikes on the Mickelson Trail. Yeah. Wow. It seemed, I loved all your pictures. It seemed so cool, like an unforgettable trail, which I don't know, for some of us who live in the Midwest, South Dakota is a surprising place for something like that to exist. But yet, there it is. Yeah, it's actually a rail trail. Um, it's got some award. I can't remember what it's called, uh, like Rail Trail of the Year. I know I'm messing that up, but something important uh, it, and well-deserved. And I did an episode a few years ago with Dana, who is still the trail manager. Um, really, really, really cool. We got to meet some of the trail. Gosh, what would you call them? The people that come make sure you have your trail pass. Maybe ambassador trail, or trail ambassador or trail stewards. Yeah. Um, so it was just fun to like hear their stories. But can I give you some fun facts about the Mickelson Trail? Uh, please do. Okay. So I will tell you there are over 100 bridges. So wow. um, yeah, do not make some sort of pack that you're going to stop and take photos at every bridge because <laughs> it'll take you a very long time. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there were uh, really cool four tunnels, Ooh. you know, for when, you know, back when the trains actually used this, uh, that still exist and they maintain them and they're really, really beautiful. Great photo ops. Mm. Um, but this trail goes from Edgemont to Deadwood mm. and we ended up doing both ways. So it was probably, I don't know, maybe 220 miles total. So not super, super long. But I will tell you, each way is over 7,000 feet of climb. Wow. That is a lot for a rail trail. Yeah. So it's like never more than 4%. Actually, there's a couple places where it gets above 4%. But for the most part, it's just a grind. So mm. it might be eight or nine miles of climbing. But then, of course, you get the reward of the downhill. Yeah. So it all pays off. Yeah, yeah. And we went right by Crazy Horse Monument, so we were able to photograph that. And gosh, I think the highest place was over 6,000 feet, um, and it was the city of Dumont. Mm. So, you know, it's not, I mean, it's it's the Black Hills, right? So it's definitely, it was a, a challenging ride. So beautiful, though. Yeah, it kind of sounds like all these names and all these descriptions, it sounds like you're kind of out in the Wild West. I mean, did you see any rattlesnakes or anything or like tumbleweeds or, you know, anything uh, Wild Westy? All of the above, like all the towns we went through were, um, you know, really low population, but all Wild West themed. So that part was fun. Yeah. And yes, yes, we did see many, many, many snakes, mm. including a diamondback rattlesnake. Oh, my God. And for those of you listeners who don't know, I am a snake lover. So that is actually a really cool piece of information for me. Although I oh. would not approach a rattlesnake. <laughs> I did not know that you were a fan of snakes. Yeah, I like snakes, yeah. So oh, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah. 
it was uh, this particular Diamondback was sunning itself and there were eight of us. So we were like, okay, what do we do here? You know, it's he's just minding (laughs) his own business, but we need to get past. So we were all kind of going as far right on the trail as possible. And then one of our guys decided to go left around the snake, (laughs) which I don't know why. Rob, what were you thinking? I don't know. (laughs) But then the snake kind of got a panicky, like, whoa, whoa what's well, going sure. on here? Yeah. And coiled up. And so then we're like, well, now what do we do? Right? Yeah. You know, we, we made this little guy mad. Uh, end of story, we were fine. We made it around him. And then there was a, a like a trail stop, um, maybe less than a mile up there. And it was literally a photograph. They have like a, a, a big board that... Uh, tells you a little bit about the history of the rail trail in that area and also like a map. So that part was cool. But then there was a photograph of a diamondback rattlesnake. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, is that the guy? Is that him? Yeah, you know, he's, he's Mr. Popular. He's sunning himself saying, hey, guys, just so you know, my photograph's going to be up ahead. <laughs> so there's there's a photograph on Instagram of one of our guys showing the photo of the snake that they took next to the photo oh. on the wall. So... <laughs> Anyway, it kind of looks like the same. So guy. you saw the Mickelson Trail's most popular ra- rattlesnake. That's pretty yes. cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I always say I want to be Murph when I grow up. So this trail <laughs> is definitely on my bucket list. I have to do it someday. So what's next for you? Oh man. Well, I want to keep doing rail trails, and I'm also on a quest to ride my bike in every single state in the United States. Mm-hmm. So we all kind of talked about it at length during this last trip, and you and I have had conversations about rail trails as well. Mm. But we're we're leaning towards next year doing a couple of rail trails in Idaho. Ooh. So there's one called the Hiawatha Trail that gets really high. Um, you know, five star ratings, but it's really short. Like I think it's only oh. maybe 16 miles. I don't know. So if we're going to make the effort to go to Idaho, there's also the, I think it's called the trail of the Coeur d'Alene. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and it's a rail trail. That's part of the uh, great American rail trail. Ooh. So I don't know if any listeners are out there want to give me some tips or some ideas on the next one. Yeah. Uh, shoot us an email. I say, um, yeah. Idaho, I think of beauty, I think of obviously potatoes, but I cannot help but think of Napoleon Dynamite when I think of Idaho, because (laughs) (laughs) that's where he's from. (laughs) So if you want to throw a football over those mountains, then, you know, you can go right ahead while you're doing the trail. So um, yeah, there's, I mean, just so many rail trails, so little time. Um, I can't wait to see what you end up doing next. Yes, me too, actually. So, well, let's get to today's topic. Um, I, I'm sure listeners will remember back in, was it in August? Like, how is it already almost October? I don't know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But we we did a couple of part one, part two of rider recaps when listeners called in and gave us kind of a recap of their very first RAGBRAI uh, in 2023. So we are going to go on to part three of that. Ooh, I mean, it seems like it was so long ago, but also like it sort of just happened. So I know I'm almost forgetting how hot it was, but almost not (laughs) not quite. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So who's on the episode today? So we have three people that called back in August, uh, Paul, Eric, and Franzi. And they took the time to chat with me back then about their first rag bri. All really, really good interviews. 
That's awesome. Well, thank you to all the writers who reached out and took the time to do these recaps with us. Um, I love all the interviews so far, but I can't wait to hear what these three people have to tell us. It's always just a little bit different. Everyone has their experience of RAGFRI just a little bit through a different lens. So I can't wait to hear from them. Awesome. All right, well, let's get to it. A warm welcome to Eric. Hey, Eric, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Good, good. Well, you experienced uh, one heck, or should I say one L of a ragbri, right? Yeah, it was great. Uh, first time and uh, and uh, first of, of many, I think. Oh, good, good. Well, will you tell the listeners like what made you even decide to do ragbri this year? Sure. My uh, my college roommates uh, had done it the past couple of years. And I had met up with them last year, just uh, one of the stops, just to chat. And they kind of convinced me that it, that it's something I needed to do. And uh, you know, I was I was pretty hesitant. I'm not, I wasn't in the best of shape. I didn't have a good bicycle, and you know, I made a lot of excuses. And uh, you know, they they kept saying, you, "You need to do this. You need to do this." And uh, and finally, I just kind of, you know, uh, gave into peer pressure, I guess, and uh, <laughs> and uh, ended up, you know, ended up jumping in with both feet. And, you know, this year was pretty extreme as far as uh, one of the longest rag brides, over 500 miles. And then added on top of that, we had that crazy heat. We mm-hmm. had some wind. Of course, you know, we had some elevation. So tell us about your experience. Um, you know, it was it was intense. Um, but, uh, you know, I trained. I trained pretty religiously. I, I got got myself in good shape. I felt like I had a pretty good handle on things, but, uh, but definitely the, the hills, I don't think I was as prepared for the hills as I needed to be. Mm. Um, there was, there were some pretty serious climbs. Um, and, and uh, the heat wasn't too bad until, until, uh, Friday. Friday was the first day I really felt like, well, I, I may not make it through today. Mm. This may be, this may be an instance where I need to, where I need to call for backup. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, the, the heat was definitely a big factor. Um, fortunately my team was kind of, we were kind of on the, on the, under the, uh, the thought that let's get out as early as we can and try and beat the heat. So we were generally on the road between five thirty and six every day, mm. uh, which, which helped, you know, we, we were able to get a good start, you know, and get a, a good chunk of the, of the ride done before the heat really kicked in. And probably made for some really nice-looking uh, sunrises. Oh, it was gorgeous, yeah. and especially, uh, especially you know when you know you had the humidity and everything, and then the fog in the, the valley right. was, was gorgeous. Uh, especially, uh, you know, as we were coming out uh, of Des Moines, you know, kind of going through the eastern part of Des Moines, there were lots of lots of uh, rolling hills and stuff, and it was neat to just kind of coast down into the valley where the fog was, and then pop back up. And of course, prior to you know pre-dawn. We, you know, everyone's got a tail light on, so it was kind of neat to just look into the fog and see all the bike tail lights. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was really, really beautiful and 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 just very tranquil. You know, it was, it was just it was just kind of neat to to get out that early, and you know, not a lot of chaos, not a lot of hubbub, uh, just a really, you know, really relaxing start to the day. And those kinds, you know, what you just described with all the taillights and the beautiful sunrise and the fog, it's hard to capture that on a camera. 
or on your cell phone. So it mm-hmm. just like becomes um, just a memory, you know, where you can think about it when you're like trying to relax at some point at your office or whatever you're doing. So I, it's sure. just a really cool moment to capture in your brain. Yes, yes. And you know what? I did have a GoPro on my, on my bike, so I did capture some of it. But, oh, good. Uh, I looked at the footage, and, you know, it, it doesn't quite do it justice right. from what I remember. Right. Well, you mentioned you were part of a team. Do you want to talk about that mm-hmm. at all? Sure. Uh, you know, like I said, it was it was um, a team of my former college roommates. and We've been out of college for a while. And uh, we were Team Tizzy, which uh, Tizzy is the name of one of my one of my friends dog so uh we were named after the dog there was it was a small team there were there were under a dozen of us um uh, with uh the you know the college roommates and then and then some family members as well but uh yeah and, it was it was great and did the dog come along no the dog the dog stayed home uh, <laughs> that's probably good just, uh, yeah that would add a little layer of complexity i think although you know i did see at least one rider out there who was carrying a dog in a burly behind him so uh you know, that that's not unheard of. Yeah, I saw a couple dogs. There was one, I'm hoping he was barking with excitement, but it was a German Shepherd in one of those burly trailers, and he was barking for miles. Oh, wow. And I was just hoping, I was crossing my fingers that it was excitement and not, you know, that he was, <laughs> he was stressed out about all the people. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Well, um, as far as, you know, training, you know, it's hard to figure out how to train when it's going to be really hot or really hilly. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell us, like, where you're from and if you were able to do training that would kind of match what Ragbri's like. Sure. Yeah, I'm from I'm from Marion, Iowa, so you know I'm kind of a local, um, and I was able to do a pretty pretty good, you know, pretty good variation of training as far as the the hills go and mm-hmm. distance and things like that. Um, you know, I, I I did a a few seventy mile days. I did one one hundred and ten mile day. You know, and a lot of fifty milers. Just uh, you know, going riding down to riding down to uh, um, Solon and, and up to Urbana on the Cedar Valley Nature Trail. Mm-hmm. You know, I did some some road rides um, like out to Mount Vernon, Iowa, and some other things. Just to try and kind of get a feel for the you know the rural blacktop situation. You know, as well as getting in some of those some of those hills. Uh, you know, I followed the the Ragbri training plan. I think that was on the website, so mm-hmm. I kept. I kept pretty, uh, kept pretty close to what the what the recommendations were uh, from that as far as distances and and uh, and elevation uh, climbs. Mm-hmm. You know, to try and try and get myself in in you know a certain amount of shape to be able to do both the, both the long days as well as those days where there was you know excessive number of uh, of good climbs. Sure. I, I feel like I and I feel. You know, after the fact, I felt like I was pretty well prepared. I think for next time, I'm going to do a little bit more hill work. But uh, but from a distance, stamina, um, you know, perspective, I, I felt very well prepared. Yeah, it sounds like you had quite a few longer training rides, which um, a lot of people only do a couple of those, you know, to, to get ready for their first ragbri. So you're kind of set in that. But what about... Um, especially if you're training solo or just with a small group of friends, how, you know, tell us your impression of, especially that first day when you're surrounded by 
thousands of cyclists everywhere you look there are bikes so did oh, you sure. have like a, a good feel for that no not at all you know i wasn't quite sure what to expect I'm, I'm kind of an introvert and i do most of my biking by myself so that was probably going into it probably the one thing that that i was most anxious about was just you know riding in a pack of of bikes you know not knowing necessarily you know what you know what other types of bikers i'd be encountering if i you know if there'd be you know an accident that i'd have to avoid or if sure. uh, you know someone you know not signaling that to move over or what you know just a lot of unknowns mm -hmm. that you know that uh you know that that are there and um that first that first uh that first day you know pulling out of out of uh out of sioux city um I was, I was a bit nervous and I can just remember hitting one of the first downhills. And again, we were, we were starting out at 6am. So it was still pretty dark and just this mass of bikes just heading down this downhill. And at that point I felt relief and I felt relaxed because it just seemed like we were moving as this cohesive unit of bikes oh, nice. and not, and not a one man, you know, not a man, not an every man for himself type of situation. Get out of my way, that kind of thing. It just felt, it felt like a cohesive group of bikes, even though we didn't necessarily all know each other mm -hmm. or had the same skill level or were moving at the same speed. It just felt, yeah, it felt like a, a group. It felt like a, a, you know, this this group of bikers that maybe had ridden forever together, and I felt like it stayed that way for much of the week. Yeah, that's a great was, yeah. where it was, you know, this group of people, you know, thousands of people, but but this group of people who had a common goal, uh, you know, and and had a common mindset, and it just it just felt like, it felt like a big bunch of friends riding on bikes. Yeah, I agree completely. And you've got you know your beautiful sunrises, you've got your team, you've got what you just mentioned, you know, biking with thousands of other people. Any other like good memories you want to share with us? You know, one of my favorite things, being being an Iowan, you, you would think that I've experienced a lot of the state and know a lot of the state. And I really didn't know Western Iowa. I don't know Western Iowa. I've not, not spent a lot of time over there. And one thing I really appreciated about the ride was just, you know, you're, you're on a bike for five or six hours, you know, traveling at 15 miles an hour, and there's nothing to do but, you know, talk to the other bikers and mm -hmm. look at the countryside around you. And it was an opportunity to experience the state in a different way. You know, usually when I'm heading that heading to that part of the state, I'm headed out of state or headed to another city. And it was just a neat, a neat opportunity to be able to experience other parts of the state at a speed where you can kind of slow down, look at things, talk to people, visit towns you hadn't even heard of, you know, and see what they have to offer. It was just it gave me a different perspective on not only the geography, but the people and the, and the economy of the state. Uh, and even in, even as I got to Eastern Iowa in the second half, there were towns that we went through that I couldn't recall having gone through myself or mm. streets that I'd gone on blacktops that I'd rode on that I hadn't ever recalled being on. So it just, it was a neat way to experience, uh, experience the state. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times I'm guessing if you were on that side of the state, you were in your car, um, mm -hmm. You know, we always 
uh, us Iowans always laugh because there's basically just two major interstates that go through the state. <laughs> so, like, most people experience Iowa via Interstate 80, which is just a straight shot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's rest areas, a town here and there, but nothing like it is when you're on your bicycle. Oh, sure. And you get on the, you get on those those two-lane blacktops going through the, you know, the towns that have a thousand people in there. And it's just, it's a different, it's a completely different, uh, different look than if you're going through on, on I-80 and, and stopping at, uh, you know, a truck stop or, or, you know, in a, in a city, you just see something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you going to do anything with all these memories? Like, are you going to write a book, make a movie, uh, just tell all your friends, come back next year? Have you figured out yet? You know, I've, I've got, a lot of GoPro footage and some phone, cell phone footage and cell phone photos to go through. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to put something together. I'm not quite sure what yet, but, yeah. uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, the most important thing is just, I have the memories and I have this new appreciation for the state as well as this, you know, this new physical challenge that I, I like. And, uh, and I look forward to next year. Yeah, for sure. It's, it is fun. Um, I did not take my GoPro this year, but, you know, you look at your, just my iPhone, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have like 300 photos or maybe mm-hmm. even more. And uh, each time you look back, you're like, oh, I forgot about that or, you know, whatever it may be. So yep. yeah, um, absolutely. it's just great to have all those memories. Well, Definitely. and and you'll have this podcast to listen to in years to come and you'll be like, I'm doing RAGBRAI again, but let's listen back to my first year. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, now that I've said it on, on the podcast, I, you know, I'm, I'm locked in. Yes, exactly. Yes. No backing out now. That's right. Hopefully your team is listening and they will be on board with you. Oh, I think they will. Yeah. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And, uh, My pleasure. Look forward to uh, maybe running into you next year or since I'm right here in Cedar Rapids on the bike trails. You bet. All right. Thanks. Yep. Bye-bye. Up next, we have Paul. How's it going, Paul? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. Well, tell the listeners where you're from and maybe like what the cycling culture is like there. Yeah, I'm from uh, Papillion, Nebraska, which is um, just kind of a suburb of Omaha. Um, and I'd say we have a pretty pretty healthy cycling culture. There's um, We have a really great um, path system throughout Omaha. Mm. Um, you can get to most parts of the city on it. Um, we've got you know various clubs and they're all pretty open to to new members and uh, so i'd say it's a it's a pretty healthy culture um i've i've in the last year got into gravel riding and we have being that we have gravel worlds down the road in lincoln we've mm-hmm. got a pretty big community of gravel cyclists too so um you know it's, it's kind of nice you can kind of vary what what types of disciplines you want to do yeah and it sounds like if you you know were training for your very first rag ride, you had plenty of opportunities to do group rides to kind of get a feel for that absolutely yeah yeah that and and uh, my wife and i we, you know we've been riding a few years now like a lot of people we got into it during the pandemic mm-hmm. um i haven't ridden a bike since college i think um but we uh, we kind of started out as uh, as some casual riders, and then we just kind of got sucked into it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of our kind of our main hobby now. Um, during the during the warmer months, we're kind of either working or riding. So oh, that's awesome. So yeah. and there had to have been a moment, or maybe it was a few moments, where you're like, you know, I love riding. We're riding all the time. Who decided let's do ragbri? 
it was actually my my wife. I mean, I you know I, I was thinking about it, but I just it was one of those things that I um, you know I just never really vocalized to her. And then we've got some friends that we ride with that didn't have done it for years. They're on a, a team called Tall Dogs, I think, which has been around Rag Rye for many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were all talking about doing it. And my wife just said, you know, we we ride enough now that we should go go attempt this. <laughs> so so she's the one that got the ball rolling. And was this year your actual first? Yeah. Yep. First oh, ride. Wow. Ride. Wow. Yep. Okay. So when you wrote in and said you wanted to be on the podcast, you actually said it was, you know, it'll be fun to kind of look back at the things that you thought about Ragbri was all about versus what they actually were. So do you want to tell the listeners some of the, um, you know, the thoughts that you have about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I, I will say, first of all, it was, it was more difficult than I thought it was going to be, mm. you know, um, and it wasn't really the, it wasn't really the writing. Um, it was more the heat just cause it was, it was such a, you know, from what I'm told, it was one of the, one of the worst years as far as heat. But, For sure. Yes. Um, now I, I, we've been training a lot. So that really, you know, like I say, the writing was no problem. I do, I do gravel races and the first big one I did was in March. So, I mean, I, I've, I've been, I was on a trainer all winter, you know, trying to stay in shape for that. So, um, so that part, even though it wasn't, you know, as di- it wasn't difficult writing wise, it was definitely more difficult because of the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also a little bit more, you know, I, I had been told to expect a lot of people in lines, but I, I underestimated, you know, and I, I had this idea of busy, what busy looked like in my mind, but it was way busier than, than even that. Um, you know, I knew it would be crowded on the roads, but I, I just didn't know it would be, you know, that crowded, especially like the first day yeah. uh, coming out, coming out of, of Sioux city. That was, that was pretty crazy. But, um, you know, like I said, we've done, we've been doing group rides, you know, for the last several years. So, so we're, we're somewhat used to it, but that was a little bit next level, you know, but sure. it was, it was still fun. Um, I also, I was surprised how often we had probably four or five different um, groups of friends that were there and I was kind of surprised how often we ran into them with that many oh people. yeah I agree um yeah. I, I you know it was it was just it was I expected that we'd have to you know try to you know use text communication in the in the in the towns and at least say hey where are you you know but I just we ran into a lot of people it really surprised me but um but yeah so that was I mean that's just a couple of things that were um that were surprising about it but um, and, you know, overall, it was, I, I think I had a pretty good idea of, of you know, how it was going to be. But mm-hmm. um, there's definitely a few of those surprises in there. I know one thing, um, I mentioned this in a previous interview, but like you mentioned, that very first day um, coming out of Sioux City, you know, there was a really rough railroad tracks. And so, you know, most of the bikers were walking. And it was, for me at least, as far as you could see forward, it was all people walking. And I was like... Oh my God, what did I get myself into? Is this going to be like the walk across Iowa? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We, we were thinking the same thing at yeah, one point. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a long week. But it luckily, you know, there was a couple kind of bottlenecks when there were big stops along the side of the road. But beyond that, I didn't really have to, um, it, was, it wasn't that crowded that I had to, to walk my bike a lot more than that. Yeah, I agree. And it also seemed to especially on that first day, it seemed like after we got to the first pass through town, it started to thin out because, yeah. you know, people obviously hang out for different amounts of time, um, you know, in each spot. So, uh, th- that kind of thinned out as well. But, um, and the other thing that I was kind of surprised about was how many 
accidents there were. Mm-hmm. I just, and I don't know why it surprised me when I, you know, cause thinking back now you put, you know, 30,000 plus or whatever bikes on a, on a stretch of highway that's going to happen. But it just, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for all those ambulances flying back and forth the whole time. That mm. was, that was kind of, kind of, uh, surprising to me. Surprising, but also, um, it felt pretty nice to know that if you go down, you've got an ambulance pretty darn close to you to come to your rescue. Yeah, that's true. And not only that, you know, it was kind of, uh, comforting having all of the the air force cyclists there too and mm-hmm. like my wife said they kind of were just like spider-man when, when somebody had a problem they would just pop out of the woodwork you know they just kind of came out of nowhere yeah and for, for those that don't know what the, what we're talking about so the air force just takes it upon themselves to uh, be on the bicycle route and they stop every time they see somebody on the side of the road whether it's for a medical reason or a mechanical reason and they, if you really watch them, they their back jersey pockets are just full of like patch kits and maybe spare tubes. I'm not really sure what is all in those pockets, but they, you're right. Like you <laughs> they see were somebody, full. yeah, you see somebody on the side of the road, and you're like, oh gosh, should I see if I can help? And then boom, there's an Air Force, you know, couple of bikers. And I'm sure at this point, you know, they have it down to a science, but it seemed like they did a great job of stretching themselves out along the route. Um, you know, they kind of traveled in packs of three or four, it seemed like. And I talked to a couple of them one day and he said, I think if I remember correctly, he said there were about 175 of them there. So that's a pretty good, pretty good, uh, you know, group. To, oh to yeah. That's a great team. Yeah. So definitely a shout out to them. It was, it was comforting to, to see them along the route. Yeah. And I had heard, um, we got to give a shout out to Shields Sporting Goods because I think it was maybe day three that the Air Force team had run out or was running out of all of their parts, you know, their patch kits and their spare tubes. Sure. And so they uh, went to Shields Sporting Goods for to the rescue to get more tubes and patch kits and that's awesome. Um, that, it's that's awesome, awesome because that's, you know, just one other friend of Ragbri that, you know, jumped in to help. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Were you uh, part, did you end up being part of the Tall Dogs or were you um, like on your own with your wife or how did you do Ragbri? Yeah, we were pretty much on our own. We rode just, you know, along, like I said, we had four or five different groups of friends that were there. So we kind of tried to ride with, with different groups along the way um and that's we started out day one we camped with some some friends that were only doing the first two days um and there were about there's my wife and i and then there, i think there were five of them and especially that first day it was really hard to to kind of keep a, a group together which mm-hmm. is my my wife and i ride so much together that we always joke that we kind of know when somebody's going to move before they do it you know <laughs> I, I i can tell when she's going to you know, and switching lanes and stuff like that. And it's just, it, 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 that, that aspect of it when we were just riding by ourselves was nice. Cause it was, you know, we could really, we, we were able to stay together sure. pretty well, but, um, but yeah, riding with, riding with friends was fun, but we just kind of took the attitude that we're going to do it and stay with you as long as we can. But if we lose, you don't worry about us, you know, and we'll, <laughs> we'll just see you down the road. But, uh, but it was nice getting to, getting to spend some time with different groups of friends. Oh yeah. And that's such a good attitude too, because, you know, if you if you're stressing about, you know, do we meet you at the library, at the fire station, at the first bar? Like it's just like a, just do ragbra how you want to do it, and somehow, you always end up finding the people that you want to find. Yeah, yeah. That's, like I said earlier, that 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 part really amazed me. That, uh, yeah. Um, the, the you know because we generally didn't leave at the same time as people on purpose, at least you know so. Um, 
when we just, you know, ran into him, it was just kind of a, a, a bit of serendipity. Sure, sure. So you mentioned that you did plenty of training as far as indoor training and gravel races and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. um, think about what you took as far as packing. Would you say you packed too much, not enough, or just right? <laughs> well, uh, I'm laughing just because my wife was giving me some grief about this. Kit-wise, <laughs> kit-wise, I packed perfectly. I mean, I did. We we'd done a lot of research, you know, and watched a lot of videos and stuff. That and we did the that the whole, uh, you know, put each day's kit in its own, you know, Ziploc yep. type baggie. Yep. So that that part was real easy. But what I did find I overpacked on was my my tech. I brought, I brought about I think seven or eight external batteries with me, and I probably needed half of those. Oh sure. Um, I would say my Ziploc with my with my external batteries was probably as heavy as all my kits combined. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I was still under the I was still under the fifty pounds uh, even with my tent attached to my bag. So, but yeah, I mean that's a long answer to to your question, but uh, I will I will definitely probably uh, revise my how many uh, external uh, batteries I need to take next sure, year, but sure. but kit wise, kit wise that who are, you know, and I don't. My wife was when who found the the suggestion or the video showing to to you know just kind of break it down by day, but that ended up working out great. Good. Well, hopefully it was so, my video, the how to pack for ragbri. It probably was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still, even though I get to be in hotels now, I still pack that way because it just makes it so easy. I'm not a morning person, so you just like grab the bag that says Monday and boom, you're done. Yeah. It's, I mean, we, we talked about it. We go to some different um, music festivals throughout the year that we camp for multiple days and we're just, that's the way we're going to do everything now. It's yeah, just, it very makes, good it, idea. makes it so convenient, especially if you're in a, in a duffel bag with only one compartment, you don't have like, you know, the separate, the separate stuff. It just makes it, um, you know, really easy to organize a duffel. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. One last question. Sure. Tell me about the food. Did you like oh, the food? Did you not like the I food? I did. It was great. Um, I, you know, the I think the first day we hit some community center that had, you know, was doing waffles, um, and we, we tried to mix it up between, um, you know, the food trucks and then the local mm-hmm. the local fair because we want to make sure and support the towns as yeah, much as possible. Awesome. Um, as far as food trucks or or the vendors that are set up, I really like the breakfast burritos that I think they were called Farm Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a they had a breakfast burrito that was that was real good. And I'm, you know, I know a lot of a lot of cyclists are like this. Like once they get, um, you know, working hard and it gets hot, you can't eat. So I can I'm one of those people I can eat breakfast on a rag bry and then I don't even eat again till dinner. You know, I'll have sure. like sm- sm- smoothies and stuff during the day. Um, but once it gets hot, I just don't feel like eating solid food. So those burritos were definitely a a, a good thing to fuel me in the morning. And get rolling. And how about, did you have any pie throughout the week? You know, I had one piece, I think, which was, that was another thing that I was wrong about. I, I figured I would consume multiple pieces a day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I just had one um, on one of those days when it wasn't very cloudy, or even when it was cloudy and it wasn't very hot. So I, I actually still kind of felt like eating once we got to, you know, uh, the afternoon. So yeah, that's it, something... was, it was definitely everywhere. <laughs> Right. Yeah. There was definitely pie everywhere, but I, I agree. Uh, I hope next year is not quite as hot because it definitely took away my appetite as well. And I missed out, you know, I, I always want to go to the grilled cheese place and I always want to do the lasagna dinner in the church. And yeah, a lot absolutely. of those places I was just like, Ugh, I think I'm just going to 
have some crackers and a beer instead. <laughs> well, and just, you know, along those lines, just in general, we didn't, we kind of talked about it afterwards and we felt like we didn't spend near as much time in each pass through town as we would have. So weather would have been a little cooler because, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to finish before, you know, four thirty or five, when you hit that super hot part of the day. Um, you know, so I think, um, in another year when it might not be so hot, we'd probably spend more time, um, and, and visit more of those vendors in, in each town. We, we, uh, we did talk about that afterwards. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a great first rag bry, and it also sounds like there may be an opportunity for you to come back again sometime. Oh yeah, we we were planning on it. It was a uh, it was you know a great experience, and even with the the heat and all that, we it's you know wasn't enough to scare us off. So <laughs> <laughs> great, great. I think I think we'll be we'll be back for you know many years to come. Awesome. Well, thank you, Paul, for sharing your story and coming on the you Just betcha. Go Bike podcast. And uh, we'll have to reconnect next year and uh, you'll tell us about your second rag ride. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you very much. A warm welcome to Rag Bri First time rider Franzi hey how are you hi doing well how are you doing good good well I sense a tiny bit of an accent so I'm guessing you are not a native to Iowa correct yes I was born in Germany and currently live in Washington DC oh wow okay I I could try to do some of my very rusty German but I don't think like you... many other people on the ride <laughs> I don't think I want to try. So I'll just say uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yes, I'm yes. Excited to be here. So you completed your very first rag bra here in 2023. Yes. Do you want to tell us about the experience? Sure. Um, so maybe I should start by saying that I would not consider myself a cyclist whatsoever, or at least pre-rag bra, I did not. Um, okay. But I am a supportive wife. And um, when we figured out that uh, my husband and I were going to do this, I said, you know, okay, I'm going to learn some of my cycling skills and, um, you know, train for this and actually do this. So um, I'm more, more of a runner, um, but it was definitely great to get the training in and um, explore Iowa by bike. Definitely something I would have never thought um, yeah. I was going to do. And what made uh, you or your husband decide that this was the year to do it? It sounded crazy enough. Um, <laughs> um, and also, I mean, obviously, with it being an anniversary year and everything, you know, it's it's it had a certain appeal. But honestly, neither one of us really knew what we were getting ourselves into mm -hmm. prior to this, other than just really thinking this was going to be a fun bike ride across Iowa. Yeah, yeah. And how did you do it? Were you part of a team or did you join a charter? Um, so we went with a charter because one of my main things going into this was that at the end of a long day riding, which I didn't know how I was going to deal with that to begin with, I didn't want to shrink my luggage and pitch a tent and figure out where to get the food and all of those things. So I wanted a little bit of luxury. Nice. That's why we went with, um, with a charter. Okay. And did you feel a little bit of luxury each day? Yes. yes. I mean, there, there definitely is a benefit of rolling into camp and just having cold drinks ready. Uh, all you have to do is just flip down and relax for half an hour until you figure out where the showers are. And, 
um, and all of those things. So that was definitely money well spent in in my case, for sure. Well, and having to or not having to put the tent up when you've already, I mean, you know, all we have to do each day is get on our bikes and ride, but it's so much more than that when you're, you know, just the anxiety of the day and the heat and just the miles. Uh, I, it sounds like a great luxury to just walk up to camp and have a cold drink waiting for you. And then all you have Definitely. to worry about is a shower and food. Absolutely. And then also what I really underestimated was, yes, you saw the daily distances, but I did not realize that at the end of this route, that's not where your tent is. <laughs> so you're going to do additional riding each day to get to your tent and then the next morning to get from your tent to where the route starts. So that's how I ended up clocking almost 550 miles for the week. Um, so definitely more than I ever anticipated riding. Um, uh, it was still great, but that was on day one. That was definitely something that I noticed. Like, oh, okay, this is going to be an interesting week. Um, <laughs> with more than just you know the the miles that you bargain for. Yeah, yeah. And do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your training? You know, if you say that you're a kind of a runner, uh, getting on a bike is completely different than just strapping on those shoes and going for a run. It definitely is very different. Um, so we ended up getting a swift trainer so we could actually use the colder winter months and just train here. So I did about 400 miles or so total, oh. um, both on the trainer and outside. Um, you will not find me in DC traffic. Um, I only ride on trails here because I don't want to deal with cars. Sure. Um, so really the longest outdoor training ride I did prior to, to Ragbri was 80 miles. Um, and the longest before that was 40. Mm. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, we, we did our rides here and there, but I really did the majority of the miles actually on a trainer, mm -hmm. um, knowing that I was getting my cardio with the running. Yeah. Well, give us some highlights of like memories from your first Ragbri as far as um, I know you mentioned in your notes, you know, about nutrition, but just give us some highlights of your week. Definitely. Um, I have to say taking a shower in a car wash um, in Tema Toledo was probably the one thing I've shared the most <laughs> with people um, because a lot of them think that all the brushes were still in there. I'm like, no, <laughs> water from the car wash. That was definitely the highlight. We had the choice between the school and the car wash. I'm like, no, car wash it is. Um, the splash pad in Ankeny. I know not a lot of people stopped there. Um, but if you did, I think those people will all know that that was just an amazing way to cool down mm -hmm. um, and, and lovely. Also, there were some um, Air Force folks there. So that was also really cool to just be, you know, in your little spandex outfit while they're also in their spandex outfit. Definitely meeting all the people um, along the way, both locals and other riders. I thought that was just truly wonderful because those are connections that without Ragbri would not have happened. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought for me, that was truly wonderful. Um, we went in Carroll. We went um, into town after the ride and um, hung out at a brewery. And that was awesome, too, because where can you get craft beer for $6? <laughs> um, 
And, um, when we when we left, there was a, a local guy on the stage who was just starting his set. It was just him and his guitar, and he actually started with um, the anthem. So, you know, for that brief minute and a half, basically the whole town stood still and was oh, just wow. listening to him. So that was one of those, like, small-town Americana moments that, you know, as a foreigner, you know they exist. You've seen that in the movies, and, and then you're, you're part of it. So, so that was... Um, that, that was really special too. Um, and in in Ames, um, actually a friend of mine, her great grandfather um, was one of the first African-Americans who lived in Ames. Mm. And um, so she had shared that with me prior. She had never been there before, um, but he is on the mural of their um, history museum. So I was oh. going downtown to take a picture for her. Turns out they had another um, poster over the mural just for Black Rye, unfortunately. Oh. So I couldn't show her that, but you know, just just knowing that I was there uh, uh, was really special to her too. And I uh, just walking around town and seeing all these these old buildings that were there when he lived yeah. in Ames. Um, that was certainly special too. It's interesting, just the feeling that you get and the feeling I'm hearing from your voice when you talk about it. But you know, some of these towns are very very small, and we all of us riders come through, we kind of take it over, but you don't ever really lose that feeling of small town. Um, and I, that's one of the, you know, my favorite things about Ragbri in general. It's, it's definitely, um, I think it was Slater. Um, I was, I was joking with the people around me that like, it literally looked like an army invading the town because everybody was just walking because the, the road was so narrow and, it just wouldn't stop. It was just people after people after people. Um, so, so that definitely um, looked like sort of the great march on Slater. Um, but, but yes, definitely. I mean, those those small towns, the the architecture, um, just knowing that people are still there, and also seeing for some of the towns the revitalization that people are coming back. I think that's that was really great to see mm, and experience. Definitely. And um, let's get into food. You know, a lot yes. of people. Uh, gain weight on Ragbri because there are so many food options and a lot of times you know at least for me I'll go to just the shortest line or you know I'm a vegetarian like you and so just finding you know where's the noodle place or where what can I get that I can get you know the meat taken out of it um, so it's it can be a challenge like what's your take on it? Um, it was definitely more challenging than I anticipated. Um, and I especially noticed it toward the end of the week. I think initially I had enough reserves and everything, but the warmer the warmer days, the longer uh, riding days definitely took a toll on me. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where I could tell, yes, I was getting the carbs. There was plenty of beans, plenty of rice available, but, you know, just, just wanting something with eggs that didn't already have ham or or meat added to it um any of the pre-made stuff that was that was a little tricky to find um especially also with all these lines everywhere um sometimes you know you just it was a lot of asking it was a lot of time spent just walking around trying to figure out what they have that i can eat that isn't necessarily sweet um but you know more on the on the protein and uh carby side of things but Ultimately, I survived. It was just a week. <laughs> yes. Um, but but Tema Toledo, that was that was a rough one. Um, and we we ended up at Subway um, that that evening. Uh, <laughs> and they sold out of two. So the one option I had to just get a little bit of protein in me uh, sold out. But um, other than that, it was it was 
it was okay. It was more difficult, um, like I said, and, and that would probably be for future rank rice the one thing I would change. I would definitely bring more protein from home mm-hmm. to really make sure I get what I need. And, and I can tell you from experience, you know, I, my first rag bri was in the late 90s. And at that point, um, a lot of the small towns, it just wasn't, you know, nobody realized that every meal had to have a meat in it. And I think my first rag bri, I somehow survived on buns. I would eat bread oh. and I would you know, I'll take a pork sandwich, but you can keep the pork off of it. And, you know, of course they would look at me like, what? And then I would just have bread with barbecue sauce. And I, I'm like you, I'm like, it was only a week of my life, but I really don't know how I did it back then. So times have definitely changed. I was offered chicken (laughs) as, as like a meat substitute. It's like, no, no, that's still meat. Yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully in the next, you know, few years, it'll just get better and better as uh, vegetarian options, you know, are out Mm -hmm. there. So, yeah. So do you think you would uh, do RAGBRAI again? I would look at the route. um, And and now that I know what, you know, an 80 mile, 86 mile day looks like and the elevation added to it, that that would definitely be something where, where, you know, I... I would look at that closely, um, but I also would want to make sure that I get to go to towns that I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so I would definitely look for kind of like that variety too, because I don't know what you know the the true south of Iowa looks like compared to what we saw or or the northern part. Um, so definitely curious there. So I'm not. I, I love the experience. I love living outside for a week um, and and all of that. Um, but for me, it's always also in the variety of um, where you're going, who you're meeting, and what you get to see. Sure. And uh, speaking on behalf of your spouse, what did, what do you think he thought of the week? We're still married, so that's an achievement <laughs> right there. That's that was great. one of my worries going into this, um, knowing that, you know, he's a stronger rider and, like, how are we going to make that work? And it, it did take us three days to figure out how to just ride together without sort of holding the other one back. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Well, for me, holding him back and for him to just go with the wind and, and you know, me never finding him again. Um, so, so that was definitely something, um, (laughs) that we had to figure out, but, but he, he loved it too. I mean, this is, you know, this was his thing. So, um, yeah, maybe we found something we can now do as a couple. There you go. There you go. Maybe, um, you could invest in a tandem bike. So then you could actually be in the same space. You know, that's wherever your relationship goes. It just goes a lot faster with a tandem. Yes. Um, so. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Franzi, thank you so much for like taking the time to tell all the listeners about your RAGBRAI experience. And uh, I'm glad that it was successful and that you now have all these memories. Yeah, me too. Well, listeners, that is it for this week. We both want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Just Go Bike podcast. And if you'd like to contact us with a comment about the podcast, or maybe you have a topic in mind, you can reach us at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com, or you can also follow us on social media at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, especially if you're a fan. And if you have any extra time, pop on over to the Morphology Podcast for more bike adventure interviews. 
All right, that's a wrap. We'll be back next week. Until then, just go bike!